if you're out of prison, yeah, you don't have much fun. He's like, coming right out of prison. He has a beautiful woman who he's committed gorgeous. to. And what does she give him? The ultimatum between Stiker Blowjob. The ultimatum every man has always wanted to hear. That's the dream question. Other. What's the, the dream <laughs> question? And, you know, in fact, I told Karina to ask me that some days, you know, just like. Wake up in the morning, babe. What, what you, you want, want first? first? Take a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to wake up! That's the American way to wake up. <laughs> the very patriotic and true way to wake up. Stike a blowjob. Stike. Stike. <laughs> 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 the like soft tone of it is what I, <laughs> is what I think I like the most. Stike. <laughs> Doesn't even think twice either about the ultimatum before. Not him. at all. Stike. <laughs> Stike. So tell me what you want first. Stike or blowjob? Tony? <laughs> Tony, what you want first? Stike. So what do you want to do first? Stike or blowjob? <laughs> Okay. Um, she needs a more gravelly voice. That would be sexier. My Tony my is finally out after so many years. I can't believe we made it. My Tony is free. He's home with me. My my Tony. My Tony. My Domi. Ooh. Okay. Just want to make sure. Can you hear any of the background noise going on in front of me? Ooh, drinking wine today, huh? Yeah, no, I'm trying to crack the cellar. Is it because it's 9-11 that you need to drink the wine? Yes. Amen. Happy birthday, brother. Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, Dad. I just want to give you a shout-out. I just want to let you know, dude, we were kids then. We're not fucking kids now. We ain't fucking playing now, Okay. We're in charge, and we're the ones with the guns, and we're the ones with the power. We're not fucking kids anymore. Osama bin Laden killed my dad. He doesn't even read the Bible. (laughs) He believes in weird Middle Eastern religion. Osama is literally the devil. People actually fucking think that. They probably do teach that in the military. I just, I love imagining the military where you get your recruits fresh in and it's a bunch of like hicks and, you know, yokels from just like rural communities and Mm -hmm. they're like first questions, you know, like after they're done giving the the orientation, it's like, okay, so anyone got questions here? Yes, you in the back. Yeah, I was just wondering, do aliens really exist? (laughs) You know, just asking stupid shit like that. Yeah. You know, I was wondering, do you have to shit when you're camping outside? Because I, I really have a fear of doing that. Do you shit out in public? Because I cannot let my bare ass be out in the wind, sir. Will my dick get bigger, sir, from being in the military? I really need to know. I need to know that. I've heard, I've been told it feels at least bigger. So I just want to know if that's true. Okay, well, so we're going to move on now? Nope. No, no, no. I need to know. That's the only reason I enlist. Osama's dead. My daddy killed him. My sir, daddy done did it. Am I a hero, sir? Is my father a hero? <laughs> Just ask questions like that. <laughs> sir, my father was enlisted and he was, what's the word when you, uh, when they kick you out? Uh, discharged. 
but uh, there's like a word. It's, uh, uh, fuck. Right. Dishonorable. Uh, my father was dishonorably discharged, sir. Is he a hero? <laughs> Please let me know. All right, dude. Yeah. Sir, sir, I got some tactics to use on Mr. Osama bin Laden. I know what his Muslimic mind thinks. And <laughs> did, frankly, I think we should nuke him. Did you see that that uh, thing that the, uh, I think like Will Menneker reposted it? And it was like uh, a layout. The hideout. The, the hideout. Hollowed, <laughs> the hollowed the mountain. mountain. <laughs> oh, shit. That's insane. I love that because his whole point of that was just like people think it's crazy now, but you have no idea what these people were actually oh, yeah. thinking and enacting yeah. uh, overseas with that thought in mind. They're hollowing out the mountains. <laughs> he has an elaborate hideout. It is literally an evil layer, sir. <laughs> literally an evil layer. <laughs> sir, we need to bomb Osama bin Laden's evil layer. Sir, where are the friggin' laser beams? Where are the WMDs? Where do they fit in this layer? They must be microscopic. We have no time to waste. Bomb the entire country, every mountainside. I don't care. We're going to get That's this. That's probably why they did that. They just started. <laughs> they're trying to shake his layer up? Yeah, they're just like trying to scare him out of hiding or something. No. Sir, we cannot physically ascertain the whereabouts of Osama bin Laden, so we are going to just spray across the land. <laughs> Somehow, I bet eventually we'll get him. Sir, like a mole with a water hose, eventually his head will stick up above the ground. <laughs> Flood the mountainsides. He will burst like up. A mole. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, I have Operation Hydro ready to go. Sir, I have uh, scientific fact and information that Osama bin Laden is, in fact, a mole. <laughs> he, he digs his own way into the ground. He burrowed that himself along with his mole family. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, we uh, kidnapped a mole to study the way they burrow. So I believe that Osama's uh, track will look similar to this of a Middle Eastern mole, sir. Oh, shit. Oh, I love that. Well, dude, we should mole our way into starting this episode, huh? Yes, we should. So let's get it to it. Happy 9-11. It's the 9-11 extravaganza. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, all you tweens. Have you ate your cake yet? No, probably not. I did, I dude. I did. My mouth is white, red, white, and blue. My, my theme for every 9-11 is to get a cake that has the... Twin Towers and smash it in someone's face. <laughs> That's the theme. No one hey, eats dude, it. You're my plane. No one eats it, and everyone the the party is cleaning it up. Ah, that's much like we've cleaned the mess up for the last uh, twenty years almost. Uh, well, could, I guess you could call it cleaning up the mess. Or yeah, or just like making the mess wider, you know, just spreading the cake everywhere <laughs> on the walls and on the fucking curtains. It's like we put a. It, it's like we used we used a we reused a dirty mop that was supposed to clean up another mess and just smeared the mess around everywhere. Exactly. No one, someone forgot to put out the candles, so now Gretchen's hair is on fire and she's running around screaming in the house. Who the you fuck know? is Gretchen, bruh? Bruh, that she was at the party. Bruh, nine uh, eleven day celebration. She ain't at my party. I don't know no Gretchen. Cinco de eleven, dog. That's what it is. Nuevo de eleven. The Millennials Independence Day. That's what they should call it. It is wild to think, because uh, like I was talking to the kids at my work today, and they were just talking about how all throughout their classes, they were just getting 
bombarded with newsreels and uh, information by their teachers saying, like, where were you during 9-11? In the womb. You know? What? Like, <laughs> you weren't even fucking alive yet. This is what we went through. Holy just, shit. just, like, the way that they talk about it, because one kid, he's just this chatty motherf- motherfucker. He was saying, like, he was just so captivated by what was being shown to him. And it's like, no shit, dude. You're watching destruction happen and mayhem and like and then people, people in cool uniforms windows and shit yeah, yeah. and like and, and first responders god right. bless them uh the heroes they, of 911 they've the built heroes. heroes out of us and it's just so strange because they don't really have any conception of the the aftermath of what ensued from that to them right. it's just existed as now you know uh so it is really interesting to talk to them about it but it's something that terrifies them, that's for sure. And it's something that I think their teachers kind of manip- emotionally manipulate them in. Yikes. It's, yeah, it is. And it just comes to show you, I'm sure schools all around the U.S. today are doing the same thing to their students. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember learning about it often when we were going through high school. I guess because we were seeing, like, that was just the news cycle, right? Like, exactly. We were that living it. became the 24-7 news right. cycle. So there wasn't really any history to be learned. History was actually just being so, made in that and instance. it's not like there was any opposition either, you know? Right. Well, like, there was, yeah. There was a... Well, what I mean is mainstream opposition. So, like, mm. any media you watched at that time was going to <clears> tell you if you're against this war, you're against America, and you're right. like... You're non-patriotic. You fucking are justifying the deaths of thousands of people. Right. So, like, go ahead. uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Nothing. Oh, I was was just (laughs) going to say that, like, it's the opposition was so minimal at the time because of the fact that it, like, led to this sort of state of emergency. And, again, they will never experience that, which, God forbid, they ever do, but... In some ways, their lives are going to be much more catastrophic because of climate change. So then again, they're going to have it pretty rough. So <laughs> I don't envy them. That's for sure. Yeah, but they'll have their own sort of nine eleven, but on a like environmental scale. Like as places that you would never think to have had like a natural disaster are going to be hit with like a crazy one. Like LA, dude. People think we have it all made here until it happens. You know, like that's how it happens everywhere. Like. They're like, nah, we're chill. Like, they, we're ready. We're prepared for them. Like, dude, no one's fucking prepared in this city for a natural disaster like that. At Absolutely all. not. I mean, I'm not. No. Earthquakes, dude. I mean, you really should have, like, an emergency kit prepared totally. for something like an earthquake. Um, but anyway, I guess, like, to get the episode really going, uh, to segue from our 9-11 discussion and... Hey, happy 9-11, dude. Just real quick. Just like... Yeah, one, yeah. One last we're, time. Real quick, let's pray for 9-11. And real quick, dude, the most alarming thing that I fucking saw today. Okay, cool. I just finished my prayer. Oh, I, I, pray, I pray every day. So as we're speaking, I'm praying. So um, oh, okay. my life is one giant prayer. Um, <laughs> the one that I found most alarming was the uh, one that someone we went to a high school with posted. Oh, and yes. it was a meme of the, the buildings, obviously, being hit. And the top, the caption read, what was it? What did it say? We were kids then. And then we it had a kids then, yes. And then it had a squad, a military squad below it. We're not bottom. we're not kids now. That was a very alarming to me, dude. Like, why do you think that you need to be at arms now because of this? And who are you squatting up against? Yeah, it just just again, just 
using this moral panic of this yes. event to be like, and now because of this event, I get to go across seas and shoot motherfuckers. <laughs> Dude, that's, like, that's you might as well say that. Cool. <laughs> that's not like, cool. He's, this person is saying it as if that's cool. Right, that's right. That's cool to do that because of this catastrophic <laughs> Holy event, shit. I now get to be in the military and like be a, a hero in the eyes right. of America. And I'm and, defending and you. Values. Yes, be- exactly. That's another way to put it. It's like, you owe me your fucking honor. Like, I'm defending you from this past event. Do you want another building to come down? Because it will if I'm not out there. Like, Dude, it is, it's beyond. It's uh, fucking backwards. Fucking psychopathic. Like, yeah. that is, that's to the point where, th- again, what we were talking about, the hero complex. Of, right. Um, being told your whole life that you were meant for something greater and th- it all amounted to wanting to take a path of altruism and that just results in joining the, the military. The it's easiest like, backward way out to like <laughs> yeah, just be exactly. morally clear of any form of actual help that you can put in. You know what? I served, dude. I had to sit on a plane for 12 hours and then go to a desert and do nothing for three days. Thank me. Guys, thank me thank later. You for your service. Thank you, sir. Let me salute you. I can oh – God, seeing that, I fucking can't stand being in front of people when they have to like – lick the boots of uh, <laughs> army o- people or like what? police oh. officers even. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Dude. Metaphorically speaking, of course. Right, yeah. right, right. Imagine if they... <laughs> just got that that's like a tradition. Like, here, oh, everyone, God, sir, the, you're so cool. The National Boot Licking Day. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the day right after 9-11. You are unpatriotic if you, if you do it. Ugh. Or don't do it. All right, dude. That was a 9-11. But yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck... 9-11. Uh, let's talk about another 9-11, another 9 emergency call. Um, so what's interesting about the that history is that ever since that sort of catastrophic happened in the U.S., uh, it's kind of rewired history in a way that we think of 9-11 as being this day that will live in infamy as it exists in the United States. But in reality, uh, there was also another 9-11 which happened and probably an even more uh, catastrophic and cataclysmic sort of event that happened in Latin America, uh, which kind of turned the tide for social democracy as we knew it to exist uh, at that time. So what I'm talking about, of course, is uh, Salvador Allende's uh, presidency in Chile during the reign of 1970 to 1973, uh, up until the point that he was removed from office, uh, after being democratically elected by the people, he was removed uh, from office by a military coup uh, enacted by uh, military officers under the command of Augusto Pinochet and some other military officers, uh, but also with the assistance of the United States. So it is within this context that I think I wanted to discuss uh, a film that I, I really have come to love and has become like a part of like um, I guess just like a part of my uh, pathos in terms of how I want to go about the world and like in terms of like organizing and in terms of uh, experiencing the world, this film has really shaped a lot of like my political consciousness. And uh, I wanted to discuss it today of all days because I thought it would be very pertinent to the political climate that we're living in now. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, the film is called The Battle of Chile or La Batalla de Chile. And it is uh, split up into three parts. 
those three <clears throat> parts being the insurrection of the bourgeoisie, which is the first part, the second part being the coup d'etat, and the third part uh, being popular power. Um, so I wanted to ask you first, like, we talked a little bit about it, but what were your initial thoughts upon uh, watching the film? Um, I had no idea the political climate <laughs> of Chile in that time. I've heard of Salvador Allende and uh, Augusto Pinochet. I knew that Pinochet had committed all these uh, human rights abuses throughout his reign, which were pretty gruesome and grisly. Um, but yeah, I really didn't have any idea what their political climate was and that they were pushing like a socialist agenda and that the people were really geared towards supporting that agenda and just how difficult the opposition made it for them to like get in power. Even though there was like renouncing support for Allende and his agendas, but mm-hmm. it was just pretty astounding to me to just see the level of like restraint that the opposition put to the point where, yeah, it led to a coup and it led to just like violence in the streets. And mm-hmm. upon like further watching it, just seeing the involvement that the U.S. actually had in that whole um, affair. So, yeah, I think that th- I think the first thing that struck me when I saw it also was like the U.S. involvement too, because we tend to look at these moments in history as like isolated to their own countries. Yes. And so it removes all sort of historical context where you can even think of how it's comparing to U.S. history, for instance, Mm -hmm. or how, um, how, how you can create a sort of popular power within the United States using the same sort of methods that like, uh, Salvador Allende and his party, the Popular Unity, was able to do. Right. Um, and another thing that uh, that really struck me too was just the fact that they did it in black and white because I knew at that time they probably did have access to like color, color film because it was released in the seventies and like late seventies too. Yeah. Y- yeah. So color was available, but uh, I think for this purpose of being this like sort of. A glimpse in time, almost, or like a glimpse in history. Mm-hmm. It needed that ef- that black and white effect to make it more magical and profound, as being like a a very st- a stamp, if you will, upon history. Mm. And um, what's interesting about the film, like uh, for uh, for you know back content and stuff, is that Patricio Guzman, the director, he grew up in Chile. And he studied in uh, one of the cinematic institutes in uh, Santiago, the capital of Chile, uh-huh. moved to Spain, studied there, and then moved back to Chile uh, after a year after Salvador uh, Allende's uh, ascendancy to the president. Mm. So he, this was in 1971. And when he returned, he felt that at that time, uh, filmmakers weren't necessarily inserting themselves into the political process. So he and uh, a couple of other filmmakers decided to get together to try and document uh, Salvador Allende's presidency and also just his programs, his social programs, to document the effectiveness of them and how popular, like you said, just like this resounding um, support of him from every corner and every wake of life. And um, what's so amazing about that is that, like, he views historical context as this. He uses this word called, or I guess I don't know if he uses it, but there's a the way to look at his work is through this lens of obstinacy, which is this idea that, like, 
throughout history, memory still persists and it allows us to reanalyze and recontextualize certain events throughout history. Um, but they persist in a way that makes us question our present day. You know, it's a past that still exists in the present. And it's through that kind of, um, <clears throat> under that sort of ideology that he goes about through uh, the streets of Chile to just document uh, the life and the, the history of right. Allende and, and the people who support him. Now, let me um, ask you this. Uh, did you know what, uh, like how the media was portraying Chile and the crisis that was going on during that era? As far as I know, they were portraying it as, because the U.S. had a lot of its foot in uh, Latin America at the time in general through these like sort of development programs, for mm -hmm. instance, Operation Condor, which was like a big program yeah. that we used to offer intelligence and training and services to Latin America, which mm -hmm. resulted in basically just putting dictatorships in place uh, to Shocker. secure capital and secure uh, uh, production in those countries. So. Right. Chile was portrayed in a way as us going in there in like humanitarian crisis, humanitarian aid. Exactly. So it's um, it's back to like the point of understanding history too, right? Because this is happening yes. now, like it's in exactly. another Latin American country, Venezuela. Like it's literally the exact same. Like, the exact same. <laughs> like they don't think that people. I mean, like I guess people don't because no one's real. I mean, we are, like people like us are questioning it too. But just the audacity for them to sort of execute like damn near the fucking same plan that they were doing in Chile in Venezuela now, and just like to not be called on it and still kind of towed around as this these humanitarians who are there to like take out establish a democracy yeah establish democracy get this dictator out who's making these people eat zoo animals because they're starving <laughs> there like holy when shit when in reality they're they're furthest from, from it the idea of democracy and what that is supposed to or entail. yes yes yeah they're closest and like what the fuck do you even mean by that you know like, right what is that oh, to see. you and yeah, yes. a colonialist mindset or a neocolonialist mindset is the idea that production needs to be secured at all at all matters, you Oof. know, like uh, or no matter the cost. I would say right. uh, because of the fact that if you have an insurrection within the campesinos or within the pueblos or within the you know just the working class in general, there is no way to control them, and so you have to establish a sort of dominancy through these dictatorial regimes. Whereas mm -hmm. in the United States, we are allowed a certain <clears throat> amount of freedoms that, again, it just, we don't even think about that stuff as it right. pertains to our, uh, to these foreign affairs. So Chile to the U S at the time is just portrayed as another humanitarian right. effort. Not surprising. You know? Yeah. It, not surprising. Exactly. So it, it detaches us from any sort of solidarity with the workers there. It detaches us from any sort of, um, sort of, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, networking that we could establish. And I think it prevents us from being, develop, even, you know? Yeah. And it prevents our influence of the ideologies that were being put in place through exactly. Allende's, uh, regime. And yeah, I mean, that's just another fucking alarming factor that we need to consider too, because I'm sure that there are a lot of policies in Venezuela that 
could be largely beneficial in the United oh, States, yeah. but instead we're painting them still at this fucking old like red scare mentality of like the communists, like the socialist Marxism is here to take you down. Like look what it's doing to these people. They're fucking. They have no food. Like it's fucking That's hysterical what bullshit. That was the objective of uh, Operation Condor, for instance, mm-hmm. was to eradicate any sort of socialist tradition that related back to communism right. or uh, anything that had to deal with Russians. Because you're talking about a period after World War II when the U.S. had sort of dominated the global, the global sphere because they came out the sort of winners in World War II because they had more access to capital than any of the other bigger nations. Right. So it has always been a feud between the U.S. and Russia to establish dominance over capital and production. Even and, and that's the problem is because Latin America is just this like plaything for right. both of these countries. So because the U.S. is closer to Latin America, they have a more dominant sphere over them. But the thing is, once uh, Latin America gets free of this U.S. domination, the only people they can turn to for help in development is the fucking is Russia. And unfortunately for them, uh, it's like the U.S. hates Russia. So it's like, well, but, hey, you're playing with the guys we don't like. You're playing with the bloods, dog. Ex- we don't ex- like that shit. Exactly, exactly. It's this like gang, gang mentality. mentality. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And um, what is interesting, like we were talking about, or like you were talking about in terms of parallels with Venezuela today. For one thing, it's that idea of like uh, a lack of food, a lack of sustenance resources, uh, yeah. to raw materials, resources. Uh, what's interesting that throughout this documentary, uh, they just continue to show, like you said, how much the opposition is just in full force of stopping any sort of social program to delegitimize uh, Allende's government. And one of those things is by uh, allowing shopkeepers to sell their produce or products on the black market yeah, so that yeah. they can turn around and sell it to the public for more money for right. like a higher price and to create food shortages Cre- in increasing instance. scarcity right yeah exactly. disrupt just the supplies scarcity. sabotaging harvests sabotage or uh doing full-on work stoppages in terms of uh, a trucking strike for instance right and, and it's just hilarious stop- go ahead go, go ahead or i was gonna, i was just gonna say like the shot that you see of this panorama of all of these yes trucks just in a ditch you know and the people standing around like we're not gonna fucking deliver raw materials you know literally halts an entire country's economy right and under the auspices of the u.s government right and people uh, it it just in comparison now with like venezuela too, all these sanctions that have been put on the country that lead the country into being in turmoil and have high scarcity and natural re- not natural resources just resources in general and then we paint it out as that government not providing Their the care fault. they need yeah like hey dude you're not figuring it out because we cut off a huge chunk of your resources and just the parallel to that in chile is like we started to cut off supply imports too and put sanctions on them too exactly and i was just through the documentary i noticed that we cut off um parts for like spare cars too so cars mm-hmm. started to just break down and shit and they didn't have any way to like fix them so because we cut it off like out of 5,000 buses and trucks that were that are normally operational throughout Chile only 600 of those were doing the jobs for 5,000 yeah. but what's yeah. crazy about that is even with all of these conflicts the people rose up and fought back in ways that is 
literally astounding to see just like the level of organization and commitment these people have to the ideology that IMDA represents. So like, for instance, during the trucking uh, strike, these people just came out in waves to bring factory trucks, uh, tractors, to just haul people to their jobs. Yeah. And the thing is, among interviews with these uh, workers, they don't care. To them, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's just another day. Like, as right. long as I get to work and I get to produce and I get to help my president succeed, I am fine with that. And the uh, it's just so amazing to see that sort of worker consciousness because you don't see that at all in the U.S. None. And I wonder why. I fucking wonder why it's so stifled that that just even the conversation around unionization, you know, for instance, is just like people get nipped in the bud. Fucking crazy when you mention unions. Some people just are like, "What the fuck? No, when unions are bad for us. How are unions bad?" Yeah, explain to me how they're bad. Yeah, like, what's bad about a union? You have now corporations like Target, Walmart, literally showing uh, new recruits or new members to their workforce training videos about why unions are bad and why you should enjoy them. Holy shit! Like they literally are trying to do everything they can to stifle this kind of mentality that we should have any sort of uh, worker solidarity amongst each other Mm -hmm. and. What's again that that comparison to Chile at this time is like a, there's nothing like it. It's so enigmatic. It's such a a force to behold because they are so powerful in their logic, in their ideology, and how they think of the state and how it should work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's so powerful. Um, what's interesting as well is that uh, the first attempt at the um, at a coup happens in, I believe, 72 or the early year of 73. And it's done by just like a, a rebel faction of the army that just pull up on uh, La Moneda, which is the palace, uh, the estate of the president. And it's done with like six tanks and a couple of armored vehicles. And what's crazy is that one of the filmmakers that they have for it, or one guy who's just present at the time using archival footage, uh, for the film, he f- literally films his own death yeah. because he's he's filming these insurgents uh, and they're just hopping out of these vehicles and they just start shooting start at dumping. the camera and uh, he like he ended up dying. It's it's crazy to realize that that's the last fucking memory, you know, and yeah. it's trapped in celluloid now. <laughs> Yikes, dude! But um, that the, it, again with that first initial coup. It was stopped very quickly. Uh, the fact that it was stopped quickly raised a lot of suspicions among uh, the PU government because uh, it was under the uh, under the guise of like the the military generals who were closest to Ayen that they were able to to put a stop to it very quickly, and um, that led a lot of people to believe that uh, the Christian Democrats, which was the opposition party at that time. Uh, was just that working. just that name alone. Yeah, the Christian, the Christian Democrats. <laughs> it's just insane. It's, what does that even mean? Well, it's you know? just like so, it makes me think of present day America too, and this whole like installation of religion in in re- Republicans now, and just like everything. Like, let's we gotta pray for us today. Like, and first things first, prayer is number one, and the, and above all else, God. Like, what happened to the separation of church and state? That's all I gotta say. 
No, that, it's really strange that they're like uh, today's Democrats for sure. They're very yeah. neoliberal in how they act uh, about the state and how they uh, treat like Marxism, which is basically just social programs for the poor. They think that that's Marxism and therefore should be eradicated <laughs> for some reason. Um, and um, I love the fact that like, you know, these guys are supposed to be the heralds of, of justice and what's supposed to be Christian and democratic. And yet they're working in tandem with this like sort of fascistic uh, shock troop. Uh, Hugely fascist. Homeland and Freedom, uh, which. Proud Boys. Ha- which are, yes, that's a, they are literally today's Proud Boys. But just even and the name, like, comparison of the names, like, the Homeland and Freedom. And freedom. freedom. Proud Boys. What were they chanting in fucking Charlottesville? Blood and soil. Yeah, this crazy nationalistic mentality. Like, America first. Like, you gotta do what's right for this country, goddammit. (laughs) And they are completely again, they are just like the antithesis to worker solidarity because their whole idea is like uh, exclusivity, you know, and and it, because that's what it means to be like nationalist <clears throat> first you know and right and uh, their, their like, literal aim was to just incite riots because if that was like the last it. step before a coup could really be initiated because i guess a riot have riots and a civil unrest is the last step between before you can officially be called a coup and these guys were literally just here to just fuck shock and awe pretty much and just beat the shit out of people just, just goons. Goons, yeah. And what's really interesting about that is during that time, we had a bunch of agents in Chile, um, the United States, when I say we, yep. had a bunch of agents who were, who were instructing these fucking guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who, and who are also the U.S. government offering $20 million in military aid to uh, Chile, which is more money than they've received in, like, decades you right. know just at one period in that one time and uh when you see these like shock troops going out there they have like the same armbands like yeah. the nazis do they have this sort of uh this sort of like like uh, troop philosophy. mentality troop mentality this philosophy organization of like um of like revering death like the idea that like they can give their life to this cause no matter what because <laughs> death is almost glorified for them, you know? Yeah. Like, death is like the last vestige that they need to conquer. Jeez. So they'll, they can do whatever they fucking want, and they do, which the Christian Democrats use as their goons to basically disrupt certain, um, certain parades, certain demonstrations, uh, even to fucking shoot from their office windows yeah. at the fucking uh at marchers at at uh at workers who were passing by their building and um it's again like all these elements put together splayed over a fucking four and a half long documentary is it's an incredible work of art for one because the filmmaking that it it must have took, like the feet to even be around these people and like get in their faces and try and like, you know, get some sort of. I mean, uh, they go on both sides of the coin there and just exactly really get a sense of what the population was believing in during that period of time. And it doesn't matter who they talk to. Like right. they go into a woman's house and ask her who she's going to vote. Yeah, they literally for, just walk into like her the house. Most bougiest woman ever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the filmmaking was really well done. I did like the like like thinking back on about what you said about the 
idea to put it in black and white as this stamp in Chilean history, I think, is really something to be commended because it very much was a stamp in that his that history of that world. Because I didn't even really know that that was going on too. Because when I think of Chile, I think of like Matias Aguayu and like the beautiful <laughs> yeah, yeah. landscape of that is Chile. But it was on a it has a history of blood, you know. So very very bloody history, and that that's what's. I think the the most pertinent part is that Salvador Allende comes into reign during a time in Latin America that has not seen any sort of socially democratic change, like social democratic change. So he comes in as a staunchly Marxist president who is all about redistribution, uh, agrarian land reform, nationalizing, expropriating uh, the large businesses that basically fund their economy. And it is not it, it, nothing like that has been seen because of the fact that like the installations of these other dictatorships in other Latin American countries only resulted in more dictatorships, even if they weren't installed by the U.S. government. They were just taken over by another military commander. Mm-hmm. So to see someone like Allende get democratically elected by the people against all odds was very profound. So the fact that the U.S. government would lead all efforts into denying this man his presidency and uh, denying his efforts change is, is speaks for itself, I think. I because think, that comes to show how much they just don't want it, even in their own country, for instance. Right, yeah, that's, that's what the lesson I took most out of watching this uh, documentary yeah. was that our involvement in this was... It stemmed over a decade, dude, of just an effort to halt this progressive movement that was happening on a united front of workers and the general population, too. And we were just so like, no, 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 no. That doesn't really line up with what we want for our Thanks. globalist control and capital. <laughs> like, So we need to get someone that's going to be a little more aligned with us. So uh, what can we do to basically paint this out as a natural? Well, they basically inceptioned the fucking violence <laughs> in that country, dude. <laughs> like, and then they try to wash this idea of they, you. You really hate this country, and they try to wash their hands of it and be like, no, there was no like evidence that we were involved during the actual coup and during Pinochet's reign. We were in, we had no hands, but like we were part of the precursor that basically led to the coup and giant bloodshed that ensued right after that. It. That's what's so uh, amazing that like we can just again, remove ourselves historically from this context to make it seem like we had nothing to do with it, even though our hands were literally training uh, a lot of these businessmen who went to school in America or uh, training their military in America and in the Panama Canal, where we were literally doing (laughs) military action there. Like, Jesus Christ. But it's like, no, no, no. There's there's problems going out there, and we're the heroes of the world. So we need to and just they, step in there. And what's crazy is like they, the, the opposition just continuously thinks that like their people are stupid or something or like their people are, are so, um, so removed from any sort of, uh, from any sort of like foreign, uh, I guess like foreign intellectualism that they can't even look at the world for themselves and know the U S has their hand in every single pocket in Latin America and think, why wouldn't they like they're not doing that here, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. I think like what's interesting too is back that's to That's insulting. Yeah, and just just what also was really scary to me was uh, that whole with the homeland and freedom and how 
we had an influence and infiltrated that too. And like I was talking about to you, like what the what groups have they infiltrated here yeah. in America? And there yes. was literally a counterintelligence program that was created. I think like late sixties. Yeah, Cointel Pro. And we just infiltrated every single like any group you can think of. We infiltrated it to just basically disrupt and discredit all of them. From even the from the Black Panthers to the KKK, like our government is so eager to just be involved in everything and just be the ones steering the ship. Like, and it's just assassinating fucking assassinating black radicals, assassinating leaders of like sort of socialist communist movements yes. in the U.S. Yeah. Like, in the U.S. In- and just getting away with it because, for the most part, a lot of these black radicals, they're just black. So it's like, yeah. what's another dead black man, you know, to the police or, like, to the FBI? Like, the literal FBI and CIA need to be dismantled. Yeah. They are just peons of evilness Literally. throughout the country. They're like, just designed to oppress people. Who needs – why do we need them? Have the, the, <laughs> do The people – if you were to ask the normal – person in the world or in our country if we need those institutions they would say no because they they probably don't even know what they do that's what i mean it's like they have never represented themselves in a way that functions as in any sort of uh fundamental way to our living and our sustainability they keep us safe dude that's (laughs) but that's the thing it's just this revolving door of capitalism at that point right because it's like if they're not helping us then they're just helping those in power. Mm-hmm. And if and if those in power are in the greatest need of that help, then it makes sense that they would do everything in their effort to de- to fucking destablish other countries' governments, you know? And uh, again, at this time, a lot of the students that were leading the debates and a lot of the charges, which was another really cool thing to see, it's just like how... Uh, how prevalent the students were in these uh, in these very political discussions that talked very about social issues, mm-hmm. and they are very uh, clear headed about what they want. And I, I, there's one part where one of the one of the students goes on a debate in a in like a news segment against uh, this guy from like the National Party or something, and um, the way he is just like burning this guy is so great because. The, the other dude has nothing to say. All he says is, look at, my, look at me and then look at him. I <laughs> look like a guy who has worked. This guy doesn't look like a guy who's worked. I've made my living. I've made my money. And it's the same sort of discussion we're having now with people who are in power thinking they deserve it for some reason. The criminal armies. The, because they've worked for it. Oh, I've worked for this, you know. And yeah. it's like, no, you fucking haven't. People have worked for you to give you that power, you know. It's like yeah. – it's. And um, it just culminates to this crescendo in that, like, you have these, like, the opposition, the left, these shock troops, all battling it out in uh, ideology and spirit and in physical and physicality in the streets of Chile to try and fucking come out of it in some clear way for a redefining new vision, um, and unfortunately. It doesn't happen, and it's really fucking sad uh, how quickly it just fucking devolves into... The exact opposite of what the people were fighting for, yeah. And just, like, the military resulting to, like, wah, 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 we can't get our way, bomb the fucking palace. Yeah, just scare him. What are we... His presidential palace. Yeah, use force. Use force, that's it. it. And, like... 
that scene of just the jets flying over, shooting missiles at the palace is, is one that I will never forget because it it's just unfathomable to think that a government would do that to its own very popular socially democratic president. Like, I can see the U.S. government assisting uh, totalitarian regimes to take out another totalitarian because that they do that all the time. But for someone who is supported by the people exponentially, it's like... They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. They're just gangsters now. That's it. At They're that just point, gangsters yeah. Gangsters of democracy. They just, needed, they just need to prove a point to show that they still have the influence. That they can. Exactly. And it's, it's sad. It's fucking sad that that is the history and the legacy that it, it came, that came out of his, one of the most famous presidencies in Latin American history. Until, of course, uh, like the 90s, I would say the early 90s to 2000s when the pink tide happened in Latin America. Um, with like Venezuela's uh, uh, Hugo Chavez and shit, and mm-hmm. Brazil's Lula da Silva, uh, which is another interesting part actually with uh, Brazil, right? With Bolsonaro's uh, presidency, one of his uh, cabinet members comes from the uh, Chicago School of Economics, which played a very pivotal role in basically disrupting uh, the economy in Chile. Now he's working for Bolsonaro. So this guy used to work under Pinochet's regime. Now he's working for this dude. And Bolsonaro actually holds Yikes. Pinochet in high regard. Of course he does. As a hero. Of, of course, course he exactly. Of course he fucking does, yeah. So it's just like, wow, to see these like historical parallels just keep playing out, like reverberating. Again, this idea of obstinacy, memory just reverberating across time and reassembling itself into people's minds and, and warping them, essentially. It's fucking crazy so do you think now i mean bringing it back home to america and the presidency the election coming up next time you've got people well a person rather like bernie i mean there's people who want to push his sort of ideology but like we've talked about they're just respouting it just to appeal to voters too so do you think that with the bernie presidency coming up i mean he is pushing a lot of these socialist agendas i mean they are very (laughs) beneficial he's very power to the people back bring power back to the workers do you think that there is a glimmer of hope for a major or rather radical change in america that would influence the the scope of the world too because obviously america is the world right whether we don't want to fucking admit it or not like we are the world nothing moves without our say so yeah exactly yeah um yeah i do think that like uh watching it makes me extremely hopeful like Every time I see it, I just get this like feeling of action, of wanting yeah. to take action, and also wanting to have dialogue because that's what the movie really is. It's just dialogue amongst uh, people trying to figure out what the best route for their country is, and yeah. that's kind of what we're doing now. There's like a, been a very big resurgence of the left movement within the United States because people are starting to gain worker consciousness. They're starting to wake up to the idea that we have lost tremendous footing in labor power uh, since the fucking 70s and 80s to the point where wages have been stacked. How the fuck are we still paying people the same wages since the 70s and 80s? They haven't moved except for like 25 cents or something. It's fucking insane. That's crazy. And I think what this film really shows is the idea that popular power does work. And, like, uh, we need to accept that there are 
sort of uh, sort of discrepancies within the left movement and when it, within their ideology. But for the most part, Bernie represents the best uh, way to move forward and not stagnate yeah. ourselves. Because if we stagnate ourselves, we are guaranteed to have something more catastrophic. Then, I mean, it's so, happening. We're collapsing, right? Like our capitalist structure our is capitalizing. Yeah, like literally is cut, crumbling before our eyes. And um, fuck, I forgot. I was, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking too. Like, yeah. I mean, if he is elected, I'm just wondering what sort of elaborate and quote unquote elaborate fucking <laughs> scheme our government is going to go through to limit this guy's power and just basically do what we did to a unified front in another fucking country. Like what? What are they got brewing that they're going to try and fucking disrupt this man's influence? They've already yeah. did it with the Hillary election, like with him, too, being fucking having the rug pulled from underneath him, too. So, like, what the fuck is next for them? S- similar circumstances with, like, the uh, corporations o- owning, like, a big percentage of the media. Who oh, yes. Yeah. Tend to be more there you go, yeah. Meaning, like, that's what happened. Like, uh, you know, 70% of the media was open owned by the opposition in, in Chile at the time. And, mm. uh, for instance... That's what's happening now, dude. That's fucking happens exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> Their newspaper, for instance, where 70% of it was also owned by the opposition. So it's like you have this message constantly going out to the feeding the people that you are in chaos, you are in catastrophic times, but the people are continuously saying a different thing. Yeah, It's like... No wonder why there's going to be all this fucking chaos, and that's what's happening literally right now. Like I, I think the what's what astonished me the most, or scared me the most, like you're saying, is like the homeland and freedom comparison to almost like the uh, Proud Boys that exist now. Like not even just open, the Proud Boys, like Antifa, like their view, and well, even just like maybe. I mean, I'm just thinking back to the Quinzel Pro, like. Uh, objective. I mean, I I can totally see them infiltrating Antifa and creating this this sort of rhetoric that they're these fucking bike lock chucking, wheat like cement milkshake throwing people inciting yes, violence, exactly. and that's just straight discrediting the a left movement that is anti-fascist, obviously because that's mm-hmm. what their acronym is, and it just paints this picture as them in violence, and now you have two sides that are violent and. There's no conversation to be had because at this point everyone's fucking violent and there's no like these people don't represent an actual movement that could be mobilized. Exactly, but the, I mean the Proud Boys are out there openly wearing yeah yeah. yeah. I mean that's a that's the right extreme. Pinochet like oh <laughs> let's throw people out of helicopters again because that's literally what Pinochet's government <laughs> did after Allende was removed. <laughs> like the amount of torture that they committed on uh on their people in the name of eradicating communism yeah i, I saw uh is tragic something i read uh, according to the commission of truth and reconciliation and uh the national commission on political imprisonment and torture the actual direct number of victims and human rights violations in chile during his regime were um uh, summed up to 30,000 people, 27,000 of them tortured, and 2,000 of them executed. So there you go. And there was a large number of people who were accounted not unaccounted for just because they just went missing, just disappeared. Yeah, that's what they call desaparecido is what it's called, disappeared. And like Patricio Guzman, the guy, the director of this, also has other documentaries that talk about the fact that there are still groups of people in Chile who are going out to what's called the Atacama Desert 
and looking for their loved ones still because there is no registry of where they dump these bodies. They just dump mass graves and dumped them in and then that's it. Like nowhere to be found. So a lot of people are just, again, stuck with this obstinate memory of their loved ones Mm -hmm. and even to the present day are still digging holes in the desert to try and find some remnants, a shoe, a fucking finger, a tooth, anything they can to just get, to have some sort of relief, you know? Yeah. And it is just so sad to see these people go out there because what's crazy about this desert specifically is that the region that it exists in, the topography and the geography exists that it perfectly sustains bodies, like to the point where they're preserved in a way that you could literally still see the color on the clothes they were wearing at the time that they died. They still have like some flesh even on them. Not like, of course it's decomposed, but it's like, it's amazing. It's almost like someone preserved in ice, you know? Right. And that's why they, they, there's this frenzy as if, you know, like I need to know what happened, you know, because again, when you have these sort of dictatorships that exist, it's all about secrecy. It's all about, making sure that the left doesn't know what's happening to their people. So it creates just fear and, and, uh, immobilization in action. And, um, that torture, that sort of torturous regime has just existed throughout all of these Latin American, uh, dictatorships. And it's, it's crazy the the shit they would do. Like in one of the documentaries they're uh, they're interviewing this woman who said that when she was captured, they literally just, Brought in a guy, brought in a dude, uh, and beat him, and f- beat him in front of her with chains, with just metal chains. Beat him to death, and she just, and then they just left him in there with her to die, and like th- just repeated things. Game like of this. Thrones type shit. <laughs> it's bar- barbarism. It's just barbarism, you know. <laughs> like you and the U.S. government is complicit in this. They're just saying, yeah, go ahead, fuck it. As long as we get access to your minerals and to your raw materials, do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. And, you know, as long as Russia can't get, as long as Russia's not touching my copper or my iron, you know, <laughs> I'm okay. I don't want to share. And, it's, and that leads to the most brutal people to be in charge. You just let them take charge and they get to do whatever the fuck they want. Um, and I on think, a side note, uh, there ahead. is a horror movie that came out recently uh, that ha- kind of deals with uh, this sort of historical context. It's called Trauma. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest films I've had to watch, or I didn't have to, but I wanted to watch because it has it, the the name itself, Trauma, has to deal with the fact that uh, it, the story revolves around this guy who uh, grew up in the dictatorship. His father was part of the dictatorship. He grew up like torturing people and stuff. So he grows up into a serial killer when he's older because of this trauma. And he is still doing the same shit that he hmm. did as a child to people. And it's I like that. really hard to watch because it's extremely brutal and violent. But it definitely gives you a sense of the brutality that these people went through. And that still persists in the ideologies of these extremists that still are alive, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think Pinochet, Pinochet was never fucking arrested. He was never indicted. What, what he was just died <laughs> of old age. <laughs> Damn, like that sucks, dude. This guy—you just have to live knowing this guy just walks around killing freely, people, 
He gets out of president. He's voted out of presidency, but still maintains political power. And where's the uh, where's the uproar from us for the humanitarian aid that we need? Like, like you said, people are literally being thrown out of helicopters, and mm-hmm. we're just like, no, I, figure it out this time. <laughs> we don't have. We don't need to be involved. You got this. You got this. But I mean, at the same time, we were involved on part of supporting his regime too, because we funded all these fucking psychopaths that were in his military exactly or trained them too and it's just exactly like what we did going back to 9-11 in the u.s we trained the saudis to to, to fucking fucking fly planes (laughs) like we gave them penthouses and and strip clubs when they came to visit and just like let them do whatever the fuck they want yeah and i I, and you know kind of almost like wrapping this up a little bit i'm glad that you chose to what we chose to well you rather suggested to watch this movie for 9-11 season because god knows we love 9-11 um (laughs) i usually like to watch fucking ferris bueller's day off on 9-11 but (laughs) this is a lot better too because it just heard that you were feeling ill headache fever and a chill (laughs) i came so i could restore your pluck because I'm a nurse who likes to fuck. Whoa, dude. You just 9 11 this podcast right now. <laughs> that was my 9 11. Yikes. But it's just, you know, it's just a, it's a pattern that, that America loves to do. Like, I always, my quote, which I'm going to get on my tombstone, is 9 11 was perpetrated <laughs> by people within our own government. <laughs> like, dude, I mean, like, whether or not we were flying the plane or not, it was an orchestrated event that led us to create this this turmoil that we need to defend ourselves from and our own humanitarian crisis, which is defend yourself or else you're going to be attacked and this is the country that's doing it and we need to help them not be attacked anymore. So here we are because they get a hold of our planes. So the Ameri- it's just a testament to America and the people running the show and yeah. the criminal mummies, dude, like these old men. The mummies. The, I love that they use that as a term too. These old the men in power who just want to keep this status quo of wealth amongst the very few and war is a huge thing for a uh, huge thing for profit and it's just part of a cycle that it's very difficult to break, so. Seriously. I guess lastly, um after the film was made, because uh, they made it literally during the time of the coup, uh, Patricio Guzman was actually arrested and taken to one of the football stadiums that they converted into concentration camps, um, which is ironic, you know, taking this like very cheerful, eventful place and turning it into a torture zone. But are um, like Bane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the fire rises. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Basically, he was arrested, and while he was arrested, he put all the film canisters of La Batalla de Chile in his uncle's garage. So he, it was just there. He didn't have any way mm. to access them. Uh, luckily, another uh, 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 Chilean director, his wife was working in the Swiss embassy in Chile. She went to his uncle's house, got the film canisters smuggled them out of Chile and got them to Sweden on a ship. And then Patricio Guzman was released 15 days later from that stadium, traveled to Sweden, got the film canisters, traveled back to, uh, to Cuba. And at the Cinematic Institute of Cuba, he edited and just made the entire film with wow. another gentleman. That's so, awesome. It's fucking crazy. Just like the story of that, like that's, Way better story than Argo, in my opinion. Argo? Make that film. 
Argo? What? <laughs> Very cool reference. It's the too. one with. Yeah, I know what it is. Ben Affleck. Yeah, I know what it is. It's just a, <laughs> such a random and funny reference. Um, but 9-11 happened, and here we are living through it. 9-11 happened twice. One of them was more destructive than the other, in my opinion. It was um, a lot more destructive. I w- I'll let you be the guess as to who or what. This one, our 9-11 is more of a slow burn that is eating, Still going. is internally eating <laughs> our country and the world. Very Ouroboros-like. Um, but I think, again, Chile will live in memory, in obstinate memory, like I've been saying. It just... It, it, this film is one to reanalyze and contextualize and just, again, use as a sort of base platform for political consciousness uh, and political theory that I think is relevant to today and what we want to see exist in a potential Bernie Sanders presidency or a leftist yeah. insurgency and in general. And accountability, too, and a further examination Absolutely. of the influence that we have that in the US has pro- had, yes. propping up these regimes and tearing down regimes, too. So it's worth keeping an eye on, especially now with the turmoil in Venezuela, too. Oh, yeah. We'll see what happens with that. I mean, John Bolton was just apparently fired. He couldn't keep the reins, dude. Did you see that thing, uh, Vic Berger? Let's get a little, little light now. Did you see that thing, uh, Vic Berger... Uh, Posted of Trump talking. He's I was I was there at Seven Eleven. Oh no, I haven't seen that one yet. What did he say? <laughs> he's just uh, it's just like a he. It was a really short cut that Vic posted on his Instagram. Okay. He's, I was there at Seven Eleven, and uh, he posted another one too of like <laughs> the plane. He was like when Nine Eleven happened. I guess they interviewed Donald Trump. And he's like, yeah, it was one of the it was one of the tallest buildings, and now it's gone. And um, it's now not I as, have the tallest building. Yeah, let's see if we can find. Oh, here we go. Like a fucking child. Or did, you know what, what's happened down there? Well, it was an amazing phone call I made. Forty Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan, and and it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest, and now it's the tallest. Uh, keep in mind the new. Uh, keep in mind the news footage that is the backdrop to this is <laughs> the rubble of nine eleven and the smoke still in the air. Just an echoing image of the plane hitting. Can I watch our police and our firemen down at Seven Eleven right after it came down. <laughs> and it's literally just that. <laughs> right at so after Seven Eleven, dude, this guy is our. He runs the country, and he might win again. If he runs and against our favorite Biden, three zero three 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 zero. <laughs> if they run against that the bloody guy, eye Biden, dude, it just baffles me that we're gotten to the point where these guys can't even speak, and they're the ones in, that could be possibly running the show right now. I was talking to oh uh, my god from Germany. Uh, Margaret Thatcher, or or it takes Merkel. him so long to find the name, dude. Margaret Thatcher's been dead <laughs> for, for <so> years. years. <laughs> what kind of the a... fuck made you think of that name? <laughs> what kind of a name is that? <laughs> I bet they smash. That's why he's Margaret like, Thatcher. She's not even. A, she's the British Prime Minister too. Margaret Thatcher, more like. She so died bad. in 2013. Dude, that's still that is long. No, that's a long time. She's out of zero, zero relevancy. Zero, absolutely none. And people are the media again. The media owned by these corporations are still going out there being like, 
You know, Biden is still the best bet against Trump, uh, you know, against all odds. I think he has the best shot. Oh, my God. How? How does he have yeah, a best I, shot? I do not know. Trump, no matter know. how leaky his brain get, is going to trounce fucking Biden <laughs> in, a, in a debate. You think they're going to go as fucking – they're maybe equally as old, but Trump's on fucking like Adderall and shit, dude. Totally. Like, He's on – Biden's yes, on is. fucking on a Zen and Trump's at least on an Adderall. So – to, not to compliment the guy, but his brain's firing a lot faster than. If you can't even remember your own website, I mean, please, <laughs> dear God, like, what, it's, re- your, it's your name. Reevaluate, reevaluate. It's your, your name. Entire. How do you not know your your name? It's your name. I just love that Obama even told. Go him, to like, Biden three zero three three three. Like, what kind of a brain melt was that? And then he just has to end it with, and help help us win this fight. <laughs> help us beat this challenge against Donald Trump. It's always Donald Trump, dude. They love fighting Donald Trump. He's the fucking uh, final Obama boss, dude. Like, <laughs> Obama's like, you know you don't have to do this, dude. Like, you don't have to run. I know, but what else am I doing? And that's, how I, on, that's how I feel his run, his campaign is. Well, at least his the way he's looking. He's like, what else am I doing? <coughs> Excuse me, I just hit a vape pen. <coughs> Bring it up the loose. Fat toe. Three zero three three three. What kind of a fuck up is that? Like, dog, you can read before you say the shit. Like, you see it You're coming up. You're telling me the the dude who is gasping for air, dis, you know, can't fucking remember any of the names that he's supposed to going out there saying like semi-racist things is the best (laughs) shot to fucking win against trump and not bernie who looks fucking younger every day the bernie's out there shooting hoops fucking slamming baseballs like hell yeah is on the road (laughs) meeting with cardi b you know how difficult it must be to keep up with cardi b yeah exactly my favorite cardi your nails my fa- so good. My favorite uh, Biden quote is going to I'd beat the hell out of Trump if I was in high school. <laughs> if I was in high school. <laughs> if, if we were in high school, let me see. I think I have the video. But it's just that one always cracked me up. Like, oh, cool, dude. You'll beat the if giant fact. prep school. Yeah, this great. Is the first president. I've been here for eight presidents. This is the first president to make a full-throated, unvarnished attack on the entirety of the FBI. Not going after J. Edgar Hoover, who was one person in the FBI and exonerated. This was this is to discredit the FBI and discredit his own job. Hold on, hold on, right there, dude. Before we even get into, I, his, let me stop you right there. The, let d- me stop discrediting you. the FBI. This guy, this man is defending the FBI, an establishment that we just fucking said is pointless, and most people don't have any idea the benefits and that it brings to assassinated people, like. <laughs> What do you mean discredit? They've discredited themselves <laughs> by the actions that they have taken. Surveying us, the Patriot Act, so many just outright Jesus fucking lies. <laughs> Justice Department. You know, look, I spend a lot of time traveling around the world. What do you think they're cool. thinking Jet in Moscow? This is doing everything that Putin ever wanted. Sowing doubt about whether or not our justice system is fair. Sowing doubt about whether or not there is anything that's remotely consistent with our constitution. It's just, it's just, it's a disaster. You think he should sit down with a special counsel? <laughs> if I were the president's lawyer, I would probably tell him not to sit down with a special counsel. Why? 
because uh, and they subpoena you, and you wind up in front of a grand jury without yeah, a lawyer. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and if you uh, they, uh, you're in a situation where um, the president has some difficulty with precision. Um, <laughs> that is one of the most subtle things I've ever heard you <laughs> and, say. Uh, and one of the things that I uh, I would worry about if I were his lawyer is him saying something that was just simply not true without him even planning to be uh, um, to be disingenuous. Oh, I'm getting sick of listening to I just I, I, I just marvel at some of the things he says and does. Like what two days ago. Anybody didn't stand up and clap for him was un-American and then maybe even treasonous. I they mean, say it was tongue-in-cheek. Democrats can't take a joke. Well, let me tell you, he's a joke. Whoa, powerful words from the future president. Oh, God, God. God, Biden tries to sling himself around like he's this fucking quick draw, quick to the fucking insult. Quick to the hip. Quick yeah. to the hip quick guy. From the hip. Yeah, <laughs> quick to the hip. Yeah, um, but he's just he not. Is just he's like the dad who's going to scold the child and be like, "I'm going to tell him that he's out of line, Mister, and that he needs to get it straight." Uh, and it, again, it's like the first president who's dis who's who's discredited and talks shit against the FBI. <coughs> Who the fuck cares? Seriously, what does that end? do to the FBI? Like they're what are the, their feelings are hurt? They're gonna dismantle because <laughs> Trump called them bad names now. Give me a break, dude. And that's so much of what a Trump presidency has been. Him just calling out people and these people on the left, even on the fucking right, just being like, he's talked so bad about this one thing. Aren't you mad too? It's like who cares what he says, really? Because at the same end of the day, he's just this fucking guy who's just filling a chair. And now it's just fucking uh, the whole platform that I saw on the last few debate Democratic debates were just taking down the final boss that is Trump. Exactly. I mean, that's how they treated the 2016 election, right? Was that like Trump is this evil dragon that's going to be yeah. slayed by the princess Hillary Clinton. <laughs> they turned it into this fantastical movie, <laughs> Harry Potter uh, kitschy ass bullshit that like had no residence in reality which you know determined the outcome already for you like once I started people t- seeing people talk about it in those terms <coughs> that like it's this like fantasy play like Hillary Clinton's gonna save us from the mighty evil wizard or something it just that's when it all fell apart. And I knew for a fact that Hillary Clinton didn't really have the support that she thought she did. It's just this overwhelming (laughs) persona that we're supposed to just grant these people. And it's back to the hero persona that we were talking about, about the two people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the hero complex of the two people that we know that have a huge hero complex and are exerting that in the fucking worst backwards way possible. And I think... their term of it's like again their term of democracy is so warped that right they think they're going overseas to give democracy to people it's just like, i'm handing out democracy like candy you know <laughs> do maybe freckles was right maybe she's just actually the fucking one who's the wokest in this system and freckles just knows how to play the game i mean maybe she wants to run for president or something yeah, she'll sing that she was stuck in New York with a can of peanuts while she's ta- attaching electric nodes to your bulb. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, Freckles, my favorite friend. <laughs> I wonder how she's doing. Jesus Christ. Uh, I. <coughs> oh, it just infuriates me that 9 11 is just this day now that, like, we just have to put up with every year and just. I mean, I feel like people talk about it just on 24 7, 365 in this country, too. Like, I. I didn't really hear any talk of 9-11 today from at least people in my circle. Of the totally. Now. But yeah, in yeah. general, it's just like 9-11 happened. Like, do we really want another catastrophe to happen like this again? Like, even though it'll never happen again. I think people are getting old, tired of it a little. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, no They're one even knew. on, for sure. It's been 18 years. Because it's like now we got bigger and better things to worry about, like mass shootings, you know? That's a huge more – that dude, yeah, exactly. Daily 9-11s. <laughs> Ooh, great. <laughs> Sporadic daily 9-11s by people – I love that, it. By fucking people who were born in this country. <laughs> and just creating more mass shooters by showing them newsreels of – Of 9-11. And being like, this is what they did to your country. What are you going to do? And now you're grown up. You live yeah. with this shit. And it's back full circle, dude. Like, this podcast usually comes, man. They were kids then, but they're not kids anymore, dude. And they're dude. all strapped up, ready to go against who? I don't know. I don't know. Someone who the looks ghost? different. The we'll figure Phantom it out. Menace? Figure it out and let God sort them out, right? Or shoot, them all, shoot first and let God sort them out. It's like, uh, what's his name? Remember in the third Star Wars movie where Palpatine is like, execute order. 66 or yeah. whatever it, that's that's what they do they just do that <laughs> make a call to some people and be like execute order well, i don't know let's call it operation Pancake 420 or some shit Ex- execute operation 420 execute operation wavos please <laughs> wavos <laughs> execute operation no more b you know what the b stands for <laughs> no more bp please uh, I'm surprised that's not like a QAnon fucking Reddit. <laughs> I'm sure Palpatine is used all over the fucking interwebs for. Palpatine a, is probably a poster child for the CIA. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've seen Hillary <laughs> photoshopped in like a Palpatine garb <laughs> oh, with the like wink, wrinkly neck. She kind of already yeah, has a Palpatine yes. look. That is such a good look. That's kind of scary. Work it, girl. Work it. Work that pantsuit. Queen, dude. I wonder what's going on underneath Hillary's attire. Because no one wears the same the same shape of outfit. Or it's just this like festering like like pus open it's just sore body. Pulsating gut of bubbles with and, like and reactor rip. cores on it. Just like <laughs> Jesus All working under this one thing, or it's just like another small little face. Like I just saw Total Recall for the first time, the original one, and uh, one of the like oracles I guess in the movie is this guy who has a like little two little arms and a little face on his stomach and communicates through that when you really talk. Whoa, about it. it's a cool movie, dude. You should check it out. But does he have? He has the head with the face already. Yeah, and he has the he has face? a human regular normal torso, torso, and to like the average person, he talks to them through that like body. But when Arnold comes and meets with them, he's like, "Oh, you're someone special," and then like shows him his true form and oh, it's like talking. Whoa. To him. It's a weird movie. It's cool. That sounds dope. Mm. It's Hell actually yeah. really dope. Damn. 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 Well, October's coming up, dude. Before spooky we wrap this seasons. up, let's get a little preview. Yeah, spooky seasons the ahead. Spooky. 
I think we should do an episode where we just list off all the movies we're going to watch for. <laughs> I mean, or just recommendations. Recommendations, you know? Because we got them. I actually want to make a. Uh, um, oh, you know what? I was going to. We should collaborate on this. I was, I was thinking of doing like a horror zine. Like a, oh, that'd be cool. Like a fan fiction zine or like something. Like a Fangoria? Or no, more like uh, just like picking like scenes from our favorite horror films. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking maybe of this year, but maybe like horror films ever. So that way there's more to choose from. Uh, and then just like writing a little excerpt on it and maybe creating like a comic or uh, That'd be a, sick. A, or a double spread or something like that. But a, a little zine like that. Dude, I would so be, I would love to do that. Okay, cool. Let's, uh, yeah, let's work on that then. Yeah, I think for, for the, you listeners, there you go. Pick up a zine. Yeah, for the first Soon. issue, I think we should uh, just do it on all the horror, like a list of the horror movies we really love. And then we can feature like. For each zine, like two movies or by like a director or like a theme or something. Totally. A, th- no, a style I, I of really horror. I want to do that. Yeah, I'm excited for the season, dude. Let's get with it. Yeah. Get this dumbass fucking September out of the way. I didn't even see it, chapter two. I've I haven't been hearing seen a lot it. of pretty bad things <clears throat> about it, though. Or like just like not good. I mean, I'll go see it because I like to go to the movies in general. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, well, what I'm really excited about that I rewatched the two trailers for is the fucking lighthouse, dude. Yes. Oh, I, it looks so good. Wait, I did see the new trailer. Yes. Damn. Yeah. Why'd you spill your beans? I love that. <laughs> and there's just this one part where uh, Willem Dafoe just makes like this noise, like and like what's his name, Robert Pattinson's like what? And like it's just like them back in like Willem Dafoe's making the noise, and Robert Pattinson's like oh, what? Yeah, like yeah. what? Like they're just like going back at each other and like. It looks really weird. Like, looks like it's I, gonna be funny, but also like have a cool dark like the witch. I mean, obviously it's what's his name, Robert Eggers. So, uh-huh. it's gonna have some cool themes to it. And I I'm see what you're saying excited. about the whole Cthulhu aspect of it too. There, it's it's awesome very scenes. much that kind of like cosmic horror slash yeah. horror underneath the surface. Yes, underneath the lingering. surface. I think it's gonna be the theme. Of course, and they're <clears throat> by the ocean, so it's yeah. perfect for like water creatures, which are. Kind of Lovecraftian in their, Very in Lovecraftian. their creation. So, oh man, which speaking of, you have to watch In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, oh, yeah, you were telling season. me. It is so far my favorite Carpenter film. It is so really? fucking cool. Like, I can't stop thinking about how cool it is. And I can't believe just how much I've just like missed out on just that. Because I've seen this screenshot of Sam Neill sitting in the theater. In like a hospital gown, looking crazy. Yeah, like, I'm looking I've at it right now. So many people use that, um, but I just didn't know the context. And then watching the film, it I was blown away, dude, by Fuck how yeah. fucking good it is. So oh, I'm gonna highly, watch it tonight. Highly recommend. <clears throat> Hell yeah! All right, well, that was a very uh, insightful episode for you listeners. You dropped some truth bombs on y'all, and y'all best appreciate the shit that we bring in because we bring it every week, bruh. 9 11. 9 happened and it was perpetrated by people within our own government. Uh, getting pretty good at saying that fast now because I say are. it so often. <laughs> the fact that you were saying that uh, under your breath during the Freckles podcast. The Freckle, Freckles podcast? Yeah, that one uh, was a weird. That was our stamp on our life right there. <laughs> our stamp on history. Yeah. And it will be known forever. <laughs> All right, listeners, uh, please keep tuning in, and we will see you guys 
next week. Happy 9-11. Um, go eat some uh, 9-11 cake for us and shove it in people's faces. Praise God. Praise Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation for which it stands, indivisible. I don't know. I don't. Caesar, Caesar, already, take me, take me home. The pledge. We take, recited the pledge last episode. Take me home. Did we? Yeah, we literally did it at the very end. And oh, we we're just like talking about how weird it is that. That was an like episode. I thought that that was just in real life. <laughs> oh, I just do that daily too. I mean, well, let's well let's uh, keep the tradition going. I don't know. <clears throat> no, we're not doing that. God bless America. Land that I love Stand oh, beside Jesus. her And guide her Through the <laughs> dance with the light from above Good night, America. Good. Good night, everybody. <laughs>